Here's a little fun fact. Did you know that for over five years, I taught thousands of people at hundreds of different events, both in person and online, how to grow their businesses. And I did this for Google. And now I want to do it for you. I'm offering up some special complimentary coaching opportunities for a few lucky wise squirrels. Visit wisequirrels.com slash coaching. Welcome to Wise Squirrels, the podcast for late diagnosed adults with ADHD. I'm your host, Dave Delaney. I want to kick off by thanking everybody for leaving your reviews for the podcast. I can't tell you how much I love them. Well, I I guess I just did, didn't I? But really, reading your reviews means the world to me. Your kind words help others discover the show, but they also really just mean a lot to me. So no matter where you listen to the podcast, if you wouldn't mind, please leave a rating and review. And honestly, I read every one of them. I just noticed a new one. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, I can't usually tell your names because, you know, they have kind of weird random names. So I don't know what your names are specifically, but I do want to make sure to give you a shout out that if you have left a review, I have read it and thank you for that. And it is the week of giving thanks. Of course, it is Thanksgiving in the U.S. So I do want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody for listening. And it just means the world to me that you're here on this journey with me. And of course, I'm on the journey with you too. So I hope uh, we all can share and learn from one another. Speaking of, if you go to wisequirrels.com slash podcast, there is a button down below that you can actually leave a recording. You can actually record an audio comment or question. And I encourage you to do that. And I'll include your voice on an upcoming episode with your question or your comment. And I'll answer your question to the best of my ability. Also, if you have questions or feedback and you don't want to record audio, you can always do that by emailing me hello at wisequirrels, that's plural, wisequirrels.com. I've got a great show this week. I'm featuring the executive producer of the documentary, The Disruptors. And this is Nancy Armstrong. Nancy is awesome. And her dedication and commitment to ADHD is commendable. This movie features interviews about ADHD with people who you may not know have ADHD. People like Paris Hilton or Will I Am, or Scott Kelly, Terry Bradshaw, like all these people who you may not know already have ADHD, even Howie Mandel, who, if you know Howie Mandel, it's not a complete surprise there. I love his work. <laughs> anyway, the movie is called The Disruptors, and if you haven't watched it yet, I highly recommend you do. It's a great film, not just about featuring celebrities uh, who have ADHD, but also it follows uh, some stories about uh, different families uh, experiencing diagnosis of ADHD. And it really is a good educational film, but also very entertaining as well. So I highly recommend it. And so with that, I don't have too much to report on this week. Uh, Let's just get right to the interview. Again, if you have any questions, comments, reach out to me. Honestly, I would love to hear from you and keep those reviews coming, friends. They mean the world to me. And with that, I want to say thank you again. Happy Thanksgiving to my American listeners. If you're Canadian, 
Happy belated Thanksgiving. And if you're anyone else from anywhere, it's always a good time to, to give thanks and to be thankful. So be thankful. Now, I began the show by asking Nancy to introduce herself. Uh, I'm Nancy Armstrong, and I'm the executive producer of the award-winning documentary film, The Disruptors. Where are you from originally? Is it Wisconsin? Uh, Illinois. Illinois. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm a Midwesterner. Yes, yes. I'm from Toronto originally, so. Oh, okay. I left the Midwest when I was 21, I guess. Never to return. <laughs> Never to re- was that to follow? Because uh, I know you did a lot of theater acting and, and that. Yeah, kind of thing that was that. The, There have been many careers, but the first career was as an actor. Uh, the second career was in communication. The third career was co-founding a women's leadership platform, and so this is the filmmaking is the fourth. That's amazing. Fourth and final. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's cool too because you kind of come full circle. This is something I'm discovering myself in my own career as well, because uh, the, for me, it's, it's, it, 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 if there's one word, it's really around communications for me, that's kind of been the thread line through my whole career. So, and, yep. Yeah. And I, I even dabbled with acting in my, uh, the closest I got was a extra role in the movie 54 with, uh, Mike Myers and Nev Campbell and Ryan Philippe. And, uh, oh, that's uh it's, yeah, it's quite wonderful. Uh, not at all. The 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 scene is like when Ryan Philippe first enters this, you know, Studio Fifty Four, and he's kind of it's a slow motion kind of uh, track shot that kind of gradually uh, uh, it's all on him as he enters the dance floor, and and I'm this like dancing head over his shoulder, uh, mm-hmm. looking like an idiot. Um, uh, so yeah, which isn't hard for me to do. Um, <laughs> So you started with with acting, and where did you move to from Illinois to follow that pursuit? Uh, Los Angeles. Yeah, a, a, a logical place to be. I was there for a while. Yeah. And then um, decided I'd rather be in the real world, so went to graduate school and moved to New York. And that's is that where you joined Ogilvy? Is that right? Yes. Okay, cool. And what were you doing? What were you doing there? you know, just, um, investor relations. So that's cool too, because you, it sounds, you know, getting into like, uh, being an ex- executive producer. I mean, obviously it's very much a relations game and, and getting investment to, in order to, to help produce a film. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would say all of your experiences are cumulative, so mm. it doesn't really matter what you start out doing. You're building a skill set as you go along, and you sort of discover along the way what you love and what you're passionate about. And, and so it truly is the journey and not the destination. And so I, I try to advise my kids in the same direction is that you'll you'll figure out what, you're, what you want to do and what you're passionate about, but you have to start somewhere and run full speed ahead to yes. that and then along that journey, you'll go, no, I want this. And then you can pivot, you know? So I think, um, but yeah, everything I've been interested in has been around communications, storytelling, producing, you know, sort of various art forms that are all kind of related. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, speaking to your kids and, and inspiring them about, you know, kind of career paths and things like that. I've got uh, my kids my daughter will be 17 next week and my son will be 18 in two weeks. Um, so they're 11 and a half months apart. Um, wow. That is actually Irish twins. Uh, right. As, exactly. as it's called. Yeah. yeah. And 
So the the foreshadowing there is my wife and I met in Ireland of all places. So that that, uh, explains things. Is she Ireland? Not at all. No Irish roots whatsoever. Uh, No. Right. Yeah. No, she she is. Canadian, I'm so. Canadian. She's not even Canadian. She's American. She's from Tennessee, which oh. is uh, which is why we live in Nashville now. So yeah, you mentioned you mentioned your kids, and and it was your son's diagnosis with ADHD that got you along this path. Is that right? Yes. I mean, we sort of early on knew something was different about him. Something was up. We didn't know what it was. You know, he was. Um, perfect baby and, you know, never cried and was so easy. So we thought we were just on the easy street to parenthood. And then, you know, around the time he was 12, 13, 14 months, you know, and, and particularly when he started moving around the world, mm-hmm. um, you know, we noticed that there were some, some differences between him and the other kids. Like he just moved faster. Like he was driven by a motor and, um, you know, various other things. One of them was sensory and so uh, by age four, we we didn't know what to do. We took him to various experts and, and landed on this sensory integration disorder. And we did all kinds of occupational therapy for that. And then at some point, um, I think he was you know eight or nine years old, and I took him to a psychologist because it just things were really difficult at school and really difficult at home. And we had no idea, not one person, not one doctor, not one teacher, no one mentioned anything about ADHD. So it just never came up, which is hard to imagine now since he was a classic textbook kid with ADHD. So the um, psychologist recommended that we get him tested and the diagnostician said, you know, he has ADHD and he's in the 96th percentile for hyperactivity. Mm. And my husband was in the room while the diagnostician is telling us this and going down the list of symptoms. And my husband says, I have all those symptoms. And he said, well, yes, it's hereditary. Mm -hmm. So there we were in the room. It was a very big day with a lot of (laughs) revelatory discoveries. And so that was, at least we knew what it was at that point. I think we were, happy to know there was a reason for all of these things. And the diagnostician said, there's no such thing as sensory integration disorder, that there are sensory symptoms associated with ADHD. That's just part of the diagnosis. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. There's a lot of like, for example, I I was suffering from like mild depression, more anxiety uh, uh, back in 2020, go figure. (laughs) Most people were. Uh, (laughs) And uh but it wasn't until this year that I was diagnosed with ADHD at 50. So really? Um, yeah. Yeah. And that was really the impetus of why squirrels being the, the person that I am right away. I, I was like, well, I've, I've like, I wrote a book called new business networking a number of years ago. And in the book, I referenced Doug, the dog from up squirrel and, mm-hmm. and, and have referenced that meme so many times through you know my life. And, I do a lot of uh, keynote presentations and, and workshops around communication skills. And Squirrel mm-hmm. is a gag, a joke, a meme that I re- reference all the time. And it wasn't until this year when I was like, oh, but I'm <laughs> older and wiser. So <laughs> it's a meme for ADHD. You know that, right? Oh, you no, know, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. but so you're, you're, you have a 17 year old and an 18 year old. And 
assuming one of them or both are diagnosed. The number of people in, in the country right now, we think it's like nearly 10% in terms of people getting diagnosed, or I guess it's children that being diagnosed is at around 10%. But what Ned just said in this um, interview we did recently was that that doesn't count the people who have ADHD, but don't have serious impairment. Mm -hmm. um, those people don't get tested because there's no, they're not seriously impaired. They do feel like they have to work twice as hard, you know, as kids, they have to work twice as hard in school, but they just do it. They work twice as hard. So they are in a way, and I don't know if this is true with your kids underachieving, but they're doing fine. They're not falling out the bottom. Like my son was like, it, yeah. There was no way of continuing to function normally because we we were not functioning. I was going to reference the statistic in in the disruptors, which mm -hmm. I actually took a screenshot of the of the image in the film of the the baby boy and the baby girl. Mm -hmm. But it was that ADHD in boys is linked to genetics sixty five percent of the times, and girls it's close to ninety percent of the time. And mm -hmm. when I've mentioned that to people, even ADHD coaches and others who I've you know, spoken to on this podcast, they're often shocked to hear that number just because it's, yeah. it's, a I think it's even higher in boys. I think the numbers are probably more similar than that. That those mm. are the official numbers that we were able to derive for the film. Tell me a little bit about the backstory there of how this movie came to be. And, and by the way, I haven't even said it yet. Awesome movie. Oh, uh, thank you. Great job. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's I excellent. With Atlas films and they yeah. are abnormally brilliant documentarians. And I knew that they were the, you know, the perfect filmmakers to partner with and um, they mm -hmm. did a phenomenal job. Yeah. Uh, so I'm really, I'm really happy with the film and proud of the work that we did on it. So, yeah. but anyway, so the backstory is, well, I also have two daughters who are both diagnosed with ADHD, Yeah. but I really that number one, a couple of things. There's a, a there's a tremendous amount of confusion around ADHD still. Yes. Um, and certainly that was the case when I was making the decision to quit my job and make the film. Um, and I'm not sure why this issue is so controversial. And I, maybe it's because it it's directed toward children primarily. Like we're now talking more about adult ADHD, but the, the children that that's where the real obvious struggle is mm. um you know and it's kids and parents that are in this struggle to get through k-12 through education with their adhd children yeah. so there's tremendous uh, there is deeply misunderstood there's so much misinformation there's all these pervasive myths that i experienced as a parent um with children of children with adhd and the stigma Everyone hides in the shadows. Oh, no, 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 nothing, nothing to see here. My kids are perfect. No one talks about it as if it's something to be ashamed of. And I never thought it was something to be ashamed of because my husband has it and he's been incredibly successful. There was this huge stigma around ADHD and people were hiding the shadow in the shadows and ashamed of it. And I never thought it was something to be ashamed of because my husband, you know, was diagnosed with ADHD at the same time my son was. And he's brilliantly successful. Mm. And yeah, did he have his struggles growing up? Yes, he had some struggles growing up and but he found what he was passionate about and it's the different way that his brain works that has made him so successful. Yeah. In in his career path. 
What's and his career, by the way? I just out of curiosity. So he was one of the early people at Google, Never and then, and then he, and then at the height of Google's popularity in around 2009, he left Google at the height of his career to to go run AOL, which is which was a sinking ship. That's something mm-hmm. only someone with ADHD would do. Yeah. <laughs> And it was really hard, really, really hard. And he took a lot of um, flack for it. You know, people just didn't didn't like that he was trying to turn AOL around. And mm. of course, he was successful doing that. And the first CEO in they had had five CEOs in ten years, and he, it was Tim who was able to turn that ship around and make you know bring the company back to profitability. And then they sold it to Verizon. Yeah, people now, are shocked. People are shocked how much uh, AOL still earns. Like a lot of people still use AOL, and, yeah. and people are people That's are often. Sense. Yeah, I mean, I I have uh, I I was actually a speaker for Google for five years, so I've, I have uh-huh. a background and have done work in the tech space quite a lot. So uh, yeah, um, but I didn't know that that was your husband. That's cool. That's interesting. Yeah. Tim Tim Armstrong. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then he now he's a. Um, He's he co- he founded a company called Flowcode. Mm-hmm. So um, that's been that's since I guess 2000 and it was 2019. So it's pretty fascinating the correlation between entrepreneurship and and ADHD and the the, the creativity aspect of it. Um, certainly in the tech space, there's so so many neurodiverse. Uh, developers, you know, UI designers, UX, like all, the, all, the, all that space, and and just developers in general. Um, so it's it's pretty it's pretty fascinating. Um, I have a a keynote presentation I do now called the Root Down, and it actually goes into some of the. Uh, it's about my uh, my ADHD diagnosis, but also about removing stigmas and and supporting people. And a big part of it is talking about different entrepreneurs who uh, have ADHD and, and yeah, it's, it's pretty fascinating. Well, and there's research, there's research to back it up. You know, mm. there's research on the strengths of ADHD, you know, some of which are creative cognition, conceptual expansion, innovative thinking. Those are all 100% necessary if you want to be an entrepreneur entrepreneur. And there was also a study done at Syracuse University on the relationship between the ADHD brain and entrepreneurs. And they found that if you are someone with ADHD and you have a couple of things, one of two things, you are more likely to be successful than a neurotypical person. And the two things are either you have the requisite education for that to, to build the business and, or you have a very stable um, partner in life mm. without those two things, ADHD people did not do better than neurotypical people mm. in entrepreneurship, but with one of those two things, they did better. Huh. So I thought that was pretty fascinating. And people with ADHD, it makes sense, need support. They need, you know, particularly growing up, they need parents who are behind them. They need to get through school and, you know, they they need support in those early years to kind of make it through to adulthood intact. And if they do, they are often the ones who become our innovators, entrepreneurs, business leaders, award-winning artists and athletes, because they they then can launch into their life and 
if they can find what they love and accelerate the super skills of ADHD, they don't just fly, they soar. Yeah. And, and I'm working on the soaring part and I'm so thankful that I married my best friend and we've been married for, we've been together for 25 years. She, I, I mean, I wrote an 80,000 word book about networking and and something near and dear to my heart, networking the good way on social media and, and blah, blah, blah. But I mentioned that because uh, I had like a contract. I had a legal obligation. I had an advance and had dates. I had to deliver chapters uh, to my publisher. And I I almost quit like 20 times during the process. And it wasn't for my wife who was like, now you can do it like, or you have to do it. So let's just, you know, you got to get it done kind of thing. And yeah, I, I wouldn't have been able to pull it off without her support. So yeah, yeah. Very, very helpful. She's also a school teacher and she's been telling me for years that I have ADHD. So there is a lesson here. Listen to your spouse. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, and, and, and some of the celebrities that you uh, lined up for the disruptors, uh, you know, some would be big surprises to people who didn't, who didn't know that they, they had ADHD people like, you know, like Tom Scott or Paris Hilton or Will I Am. And then, you know, like, I mean, as a comedy fan, Howie Mandel totally makes sense Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that he does. Uh, um, very talented. More so overtly creative people are less of a surprise because you sort of there's there is becoming a more normalized association between creativity and ADHD. But what people are surprised by are, you know, Scott Kelly. I don't then, um, you know. Yeah. NASA astronaut, yeah, Hall of Fame astronaut. You know, he he had a hard time getting through high school, and the dad wasn't going to send them to college. He and his twin, um, Mark, and uh, but then they sort of it was that threat of not going to college that caused them to do a little better in high school. You know, it was almost like when kids with ADHD have their back to the wall the dopamine starts flying at an accelerated rate and they can do the thing they need to get done. If there's no um, urgency to something, it yeah. just is procrastination or, you know, they don't care. And we had a similar experience with my son. He wasn't doing great um, freshman year in high school. And, you know, we all got hauled into the office and the head of the upper school said, we're going to hold your contract because this might not be the right school for you. Mm-hmm. And my son was horrified by that. Yeah. And the grades just went up. That's great. That's my, I did. I was not, I was not so lucky. I was kicked out of five high schools. Oh boy. Yeah. So <laughs> not, not as, not as, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. What, what did you do? Uh, luckily I wasn't bad in, in the sense, like I wasn't violent or it wasn't, you know, I was, uh, a class clown from the very beginning. And actually the route down this presentation actually tells that whole story. The the beginning of that presentation is a, is a story about little red riding it in grade one in my first grade. And I was supposed to be the, the lumberjack rescuing little red riding hood when he heard her cries and, and I would be cutting a tree what happened was I was just such a, a class clown that my teacher demoted me to the tree. And so oh. I had to be a tree and just stand there wearing like brown pants and a green, you know, sweater. And then the new lumberjack would cut me and I would, I was supposed, I was instructed to just tilt 
And that was my staging. That was my stage direction. And in the moment of that happening, I was like, nah. And, and instead of tilting my body, my arms, I fell flat on my face, boom, on the stage. Everybody started laughing. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that was my first taste for me as a speaker. I do a lot, so much stage work, obviously, and, and in front of audiences. That was my first dopamine hit in front of an audience. And I'm like, hello, wait a second. And I was kicked out of in grade one. I had to go to a different school after that. Well, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Think about that. How ridiculous that is that you would yeah, it's get crazy for, 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 for a mishap in the school play. Yeah. Really? It's yeah. shameful. It really. is. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that my mom actually kept all of my old report cards and I had them in a box in a closet. And after getting diagnosed this year uh, with ADHD, uh, my wife and I found that box and we started reading all the teachers comments over the years. And like, if you saw them, it would be like, yeah, hands down case study on mm-hmm. ADHD, positive ADHD for sure. But yeah, it only took me 50 years to find it. Wow. What are some things that you've learned about ADHD since the movie came out? And I know you and you mentioned Dr. Ned Hallwell earlier, and and I believe the story. My understanding is it was a dinner party with that you you met him and just started chatting. Is that right? Is that the? I I was at a dinner party and someone very well known, um, also had a child with ADHD, and we started sharing stories about our children. And he said, "Have you met Ned?" And I said, "No." who's Ned? And he said, Oh my gosh, you have to meet Ned Hallowell. Mm -hmm. So I started researching Ned and I read his book and it was really kind of, um, you know, it was revelatory because not only did I find my son in that book, but of course it, it was an exact description of my husband. So it was kind of just good for me to sort of get that sort of understanding. And I think what I learned as we go is that, that, the, the stories of of everyone who's grown up with ADHD or that has ADHD are also similar. All the people in the film, the well-known public figures, they have the same story to tell from their childhoods as all the kids in the film. Yeah. And the, the reason to put them in was also, you know, we can talk about the fact that there's a strengths-based approach and um, this person has ADHD and you can name all the well-known people, but it's another to hear them speak about it to camera. It's undeniable. Yeah. We've all, I mean, if you're a parent of children with ADHD, you've had those conversations with teachers where they roll their eyes at you and, you know, their, their perception is probably that these are just bad kids with bad parents or, you know, parents who aren't disciplining them enough. I mean, there's, there's this profound misperception that persists that this is willful behavioral that, you know, kids are doing this intentionally. And that's because the outward presentation of ADHD is behavioral. So that's what leads to all the questioning. Is this real or is, is this willfulness? And so that's something I really wanted to get at at the film. And, you know, there've been, Ned's been at this strengths-based approach for decades, but there's something about a 90 minute film that can sort of you know, curate all of the best information from the top experts and get a message across that I think 
can resonate with a wider audience. And I think that was sort of the mission of the film is like, let's read, let's sort of reframe ADHD once and for all as a brain type or a trait that comes with some challenges that need to be managed, but that also comes with some very significant and impressive strengths. And we should look at both sides of that. Too often, we just looked at, we myopically look at the negatives of ADHD. Oh, that kid has ADHD. Oh, what a shame. Not really. That mm. kid's going to struggle now, but one day he's going to be signing your paychecks. Yeah. <laughs> And that's the, that's the, that's the, 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 the switch that needs to happen on a societal level about kids with ADHD. It's the, the first sort of recognition from the outside world should be, oh, you have ADHD. Oh, that means you're very creative. You're, you have the ability to hyper-focus. You're very curious. You've got lots of ideas. We'll just help you with organization and, you know, put you in the front of the class so that you don't get distracted and we'll, we'll do things to help you. Mm-hmm. And you'll have a treatment, hopefully a treatment plan with your with your doctor, and you'll figure out a way to manage while your brain is developing. I think that's sort of the difficult thing is having an undeveloped brain that has ADHD. It's just very difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was uh, uh, talking to Tamara, who wrote um, uh, "Your Brain's Not Broken," and she's she's fantastic. She was talking about yeah, it's basically a three year give or take, but about a three year delay in development of the uh, prefrontal cortex. Yeah. It's, 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 you're kind of three years behind in that, in that department, but at the same time, to your point, I mean, yeah, there are so many strengths here that need to be acknowledged and also, I mean, challenges, certainly, you know, uh, something we've talked about on, on the podcast here, it's about, you know, where, when you don't treat ADHD, that can lead to very bad places. But I, I raise that because it is so important to be treated because, yeah, I mean, it can lead to, to addic- I mean, there's addictive personality or addictive tendencies for much ADHDers. Yep, much more common with people who have ADHD, to be sure. Yeah, yeah. But, but the positive is that it also makes you uh, really addicted air quotes into whatever you're working on that's that's getting you excited and that's Mm -hmm. when a magic happens it is i mean when we were making the film my son was still in high school and i thought oh i really you know we were sweating it out there in high school yeah um you know just wanted him to get through graduate and you know figure out a college that he wanted to, to attend and then he started working with my husband at flow code. And he found, you know, as Ned says, the lock that his key goes into. That's, Mm. that's the thing you have to find the lock that your key goes into. And he found it there and he's super talented. Yeah. It wasn't something that shows up in a high school setting necessarily. So they, you know, unless they, if they're musically talented or like my daughters are both um, singers and, and stage performers. So yeah. Even though they might struggle with standardized testing, man, they can hit the mark on the stage and belt out a solo free of inhibition, which is amazing to be able to do that. Um, So, you know, they, they had, they're super, super creative and with Jack, you know, it was that it was the working, it was the work environment, the creativity of a work environment where he's building products and things like that, that just turned him on. And he, he spends, um, 
you know, he can spend inordinate amount of time drilling down on something he's trying to figure out mm-hmm. um, where I think, you know, as mo- we would all love to be able to focus that way. So his, his gifts have shown up, um, which is great. Any he'll, tips for- he'll always have the other, he'll always, you know, have the other things that he has to manage. Yeah. Any tips for people to help them find the lock? I mean, you just have to, you have to go out in the world. You can't, it does not going to happen sitting at home. So you have to kind of go out in the world and have experiences and do internships and get jobs. And you have to be the people with ADHD have excessive energy and they need to be busy. So they, they sort of need to have a lot of things in their lives and it's really good for them to get, you know, adequate exercise and sleep and nutrition, just like everyone else. But I think even more so, you know, my, my husband wakes up at 5am exercises, meditates, eats right. I mean, he does a whole bunch of rituals mm-hmm. that help him, you know, sort of amplify his super skills. But that the, all of those things turn his brain on and keep him running effectively. And caffeine, probably. Um, it's probably low me. <laughs> That's me anyway. Because huh. uh, I do my, I do. Yeah, it's interesting because you're hitting on a lot of things. Um, and I'm glad to hear it because in in this presentation that I've created, um, you're hitting on a lot of things that I, I talk about in there because, yeah, med- like med- mindfulness and meditation, like that's a huge one and something that that I'm very, very, I have a daily practice that, that I do and I find it incredibly rewarding. And the thing is, I started that a number, like, I, I, again, a lot of, I made a lot of changes to my life in 2020 when the world was imploding. Uh, and, uh, in addition to the obvious parts of the world imploding that affected everybody or many people, um, we had a tornado in Nashville that destroyed my kid's school. Oh and my God. Fast forward three months later, we had another storm that put 10 holes in our roof and we were out of our house for three months. Oh. Um, so at the time I was, you know, having a few too many beers and I'm like, you know, I need to like, I mean, we weren't even staying at home. We had to go, we had somewhere else. We had to live somewhere else for three months while I dealt with insurance and during a pandemic um, and contractors and all the things. And so it was during then that I was like, now it's time to take like meditation more seriously. It's time to, you know, start taking fitness and mental health more seriously. It's, It's time to quit drinking once and for all, which I did. It was, you know, all these things helped me prepare for, for this year when, when the big ADHD letters appeared um, and that diagnosis appeared. So I'm thankful that that I made those changes to my life ahead of the diagnosis. Um, mm-hmm. but certainly I now know how I was using certain things to kind of, uh, curb the symptoms that I was but feeling from. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. 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 Yep. Uh, yeah no, that's, that's fascinating. So, um, yeah. Are there, are there, are there, what are the, what are, do you have any updates on, on the, the kids uh, in the film? Uh, you have such a, a great group of, of diverse people uh, in the, in the movie and, and uh, some wonderful stories. Have you been able to to keep up with them at all? Or you need to do that. I get that. It's funny. I get that request all the time. And I think it's a testament to the fact that we were just so lucky to get great kids and great families to do the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, so but um, I think there. I think I've gotten an I've gotten an update on 
Zara and she's a brilliant girl and I think she's doing great. And um, I've gotten a few updates. Everyone's doing really well. No surprise. Like these are, they're outstanding kids. Yeah. 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 But they've, they've definitely had, you know, their struggles. Absolutely. The parent, they've got great parents, so I'm not worried about any of them. Yeah, that's true. That's true. What about like for, for, for projects, I'm almost selfishly asking for myself here with why squirrels, but with projects where, you know, folks with ADHD want to express, maybe, maybe they're a, a singer or an actor, you know, or, or a writer, somebody creating content that is around and about ADHD, but any tips to help them spread, get it out there, get it out in the world. It sounds like you've been, I mean, obviously with the disruptors, you've done a great job with that. Um, but you know, from, from other things, any tips on, on getting the word out and, and getting help to, you know, building communities, getting investors, all those things to help build something. I mean, well, for us, I think we, you know, the film came out in 2022. So we, I'm, I've been talking about the, we've been doing screenings all over the country and there's screenings happening all over the world. I think the, the film has been a great, um, catalyst for conversation you know it's it's sort of curated the conversation down to here's what it is and let's talk about it so you know i go to quite a few screenings um i have several this month for adhd awareness month um they're happening in new zealand in australia and in ireland i mean all the time i get google alerts for community screenings and and school screenings um and we just did a campaign this month uh, for ADHD Awareness Month called Upside of ADHD. So we have a site, upsideofadhd.org. Mm-hmm. And we actually offered the film, complimentary access to the film until tomorrow, October 6th. So I don't know if anyone will hear that yeah. <laughs> because it's probably going to air. But anyway, we um, the film is at disruptorsfilm.com and uh, along with many other resources and I think, you know, I think what I realized making the film is this is a community and there's a shorthand in within the community. And so every time I go and, and do Q&As with parents, um, you know, people are, are dying to talk about this, to ask questions, to, um, you know, have the community, parents just as even more so than kids. Because the parents are the ones that are in the trenches trying to figure this out. And it's so hard, you know, on a number of levels, whether it's academically or socially or in sports or in, you know, outside activities, it's, it's, it's really tough for parents to navigate that as well as kids. So it's nice for parents to have a, a community and there's, you know, like you have, there's many podcasts and there's like 200 Facebook groups. Mm -hmm. ADHD, I was amazed at the communities on Facebook. There's really yeah. pretty active communities. What are some of the misconceptions that you've come across, both, you know, yeah, in your own in your own research and development of the film and even since the film? One that it doesn't exist at all, that mm-hmm. that it's not a real thing, that these are just bad kids with bad parents, which is obviously not true. Mm-hmm. Um, the other is that it only affects boys, you know, girls are affected equally by ADHD. They just sometimes present slightly differently. They don't have the same 
perhaps level of hyperactivity. They don't have the same sort of outward aggression that boys do because they don't have testosterone. Um, and they can sometimes go unnoticed and undiagnosed. So they're in the back of the classroom, looking out the window, twirling their hair. They're, you know, they have more emotional impulsivity. They are a little tear more tearful than, you know, than boys and, and they're exquisitely sensitive to rejection. I think that's probably true of both boys and girls. But mm-hmm. girls are able to kind of white knuckle it longer than boys. So they they tend to get diagnosed in middle school when the demands change. There's six classes as, as opposed to one. The you know expectations for achievement go up and then the hormones kick in. And that tends to exacerbate ADHD in puberty for girls, but also in menopause for women. Mm-hmm. So, but all of those are, I think we debunk all of those in the film. Yeah. Um, And I think, you know, the other issue is that there is a real shortage of ADHD experts and clinicians. So, you know, if you happen to live somewhere and there isn't a diagnostician or, or an, um, an experienced clinician that can help you figure out whether you have it. I think it's really terrible. I think I saw something in in Australia where it's an eight month wait to get an appointment with a clinician to see, you know, to see if you have it, if you feel that you do have it, you're, you're struggling, you're exhibiting impairment across a number of settings. And you think it's, it's ADHD. It takes eight months to get an appointment with the doctor. So then I saw an article in Australia that said, it's better if you don't, you do better with your ADHD if you don't get it diagnosed. Oh. Which seemed very convenient. Yeah. Given the fact that you couldn't get it diagnosed because there were no doctors to diagnose it. So they just came right out and said, it's better if you don't. Wow. Which, which is just silly. Um, you know, you if you have it, and I know a lot of parents actually, I, I've met many parents who were like, well, we know she has ADHD, but we're not getting her diagnosed. Hmm. I don't really think I don't I don't really understand that because I think if your brain is wired differently, you want to know that and you want to be able to figure out where you need to compensate and and not also feel that, you know, a lot of times kids with ADHD feel they're not smart mm. when they are. They're super smart. They just have trouble organizing and being on time and, you know, yeah. getting their homework in because they left it at home, you know, the, the, the disorganization really wreaks havoc on, you know, them being able to be successful in school. Yeah. You're really not setting them up for success by not, by not at least having them diagnosed. But it also, it's also that there's some sort of shame in the diagnosis. That's, that's the thing that I think that's the thing we want to change is that this is not a shameful diagnosis. This is just a brain type. Yeah. And you have it or you don't. And if you do have it, you know, you'll have some challenges that you'll need to manage, but you also, it also will come with some strengths that are great. And that's the way we should really look at it. And I don't, we're not there yet. I was asked about metaphors, you know, metaphors for, for having ADHD. And for me, it's, it's, it's an operating system that's just being run in the wrong device pre-treatment right so it's like running 
you know, Apple OS in, in like a Samsung or like a Google device or something, right? Like it's some, some software will still run. Some might be a little sluggish. It might crash a lot. Um, you know, you might get a bug here and there, but chances are, it's not going to be quite right. And if you want it to run smoothly, you know, fix it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Might need, might need some extra things to go along with it. Yeah. And you mentioned Australia. I I do. I have come across some interesting stories about like, for example, in Japan where meds are banned, you cannot get meds. In fact, you can't bring meds. So if you're traveling with ADHD to Japan, you've got to check your meds at the door because you're not even allowed to bring them in. At least last I I heard uh, as far as stimulants go. Um, which obviously is is a big problem as well. So, yeah, there's so much as you know misinformation, but also just yeah, just ignorance around around treatment and, and meds. But then the other side of it too, and, and a big challenge. I'm I'm thinking a lot about uh, you know there's a shortage of meds right now, and mm. and and also a shortage as you said in Australia, and I expect it's probably the same in Canada right now too, where there's a lack of doctors and you need, yeah. at least in the U S you need a psychologist or a psychiatrist to, to diagnose yeah. you for treatment. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot, there are a lot of issues right now. There's the a dearth of specialists. There's the shortage of some of the stimulant medication that people use. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's really, if you are someone for whom stimulant med- medication works, it's great. It doesn't work for everyone. It, it's a frustrating trial and error process to find the right stimulant. But if you can find the right stimulant and it works with you, target symptom relief with no side effects, it's great. Yeah. Um, and if it helps you, it's a little bit like putting glasses on, you know, versus squinting all day. Right. It's not great. Typically, kids with ADHD don't love taking the ADHD medicine. They They only take it because they want to be able to focus and learn and they don't want to miss anything in school. They don't want to fall behind. They don't want to do poorly. Mm. You know, they don't take it because it's a feel good. So the only people abusing ADHD medications are people without ADHD. That's true. The other thing is there are studies that show that people who use, you know, over time, people who use stimulant medication are less likely to abuse other drugs because they've been diagnosed. They don't need to shut their brain off with alcohol or drugs because they have a way to manage their brain, you know, when they, when they need to do it. And it's not that you not people don't necessarily always take it every day. They take it situationally or if they're in school and if they're at home, not in school, maybe they won't take it. Those are all very personal preferences. Mm. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think it's, there, there are a lot of hurdles to overcome and the lack, the lack of doctors and the shortage of medication are just, I, I want to be mindful of your time here and I know we're running out of time. So Nancy, any, any topics, anything that I, I missed asking you about that you'd, you'd like to share? I mean, I'd say, you know, I would urge people to go see the film. I'm amazed at the impact it's having. I mean, I knew it would have an impact and I wanted it to have an impact. I've been blown away at the impact it's had on families and kids and parents. I get letters from parents all over the world. And the point of the film is not only to educate parents and and children, but also teachers. We need to get the film into schools because that's where kids spend the majority of their time. And it's, you know, a teacher can have an incredibly positive impact on a child's life, 
<clears throat> but if they don't understand their their kids with ADHD, they're powerless to help them. So this is something that parents are going to need to advocate for to have the film shown, you know, at their school. And we have um, a company, Rocco Films, that will offer the film free to schools who are unable to, you know, pay for the film. The point for us was to get the film out there. Yeah. And for it to help people, for it to help educators, to help parents, um, to help children, to help people in the workforce understand their own employees better. <clears throat> Why is this person great in a brainstorm, but a little disorganized over over here? Or you know, you, you sort of have to, as a as a business manager, understand the skill set of people with ADHD and maximize it. Make yeah. sure they're doing something that maximize because they will be better at that than anyone else on your team. And so it's it, it's like opening people's eyes to the fact that these are highly creative, highly curious uh, people who are also have no risk aversion. You know all these things like they're they're it's a very specific skill set. That's why. But interestingly, we see them in every industry at the top of their field. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what we were able to show in the film in emergency rooms. Why? Because they need that stimulation. Sitting in a cubicle in a quiet room all day might sound good to someone who's neurotypical, but to someone with ADHD, it's like a death sentence. So an emergency room where there's, you know, people running back and forth, where there's emergencies, their dopamine is flying on a natural high the entire time. Yeah. And they don't, they are not. Um, unnerved by that, they are their brains turn on. So firefighting, um, you know, surgeons. You know, most people don't want to cut open a body and transplant a liver. For someone who is a surgeon with ADHD, that's where they're in the zone. That's their feel good place is yeah. doing that work, high intensity, high stimulation, high stress work. That's where they thrive you know, astronaut, you know, we had Scott Kelly, like who wants to careen through space? Only someone with ADHD, I would think. Um, no, that's a, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. So I think, I think we need to open our eyes to the fact that we have, this trait has been around for 500 years. It's not going anywhere. We're not curing it and we don't want to. Mm -hmm. And this is really in a way how we've moved society forward. And we point this out in the film and all, all the people famously through history who have had ADHD and have changed the course of history from Einstein to Edison to Walt Disney, you know, and the list goes on. You know, these all the of these people um, exhibited many of the signs of ADHD growing up and struggled growing up and, you know, did amazing things. Are you, what's the biggest struggle in getting the word out about the film now, as far as like getting more people, more places, screening it, things like that? I ask partly because you've got my, my wheels turning, thinking about places that I could do that. Uh, well, you know, we've done several media campaigns. We're all over Facebook. So we've done social media. We have social media going constantly, Instagram, yeah. Facebook. We've done major television media. Um, there've been, you know, so we've got, we sort of run the gamut of getting it out there. And then I think there's just a, a period of time that it takes for it to kind of, the, you know, we had for a long time, we had 1000 followers on Facebook, you know, 1,100, it just went up. So and then it was going up a thousand a day, all of a sudden something 
happen where the wheel starts to turn faster and now there's 50,000 plus. Mm. Uh, so I think it just takes time. So we're, you- we're continuing to work at it. And, and I think there's enough people out there that know about the film that are recommending the film. And so it's like, it, it's sort of exponentially um, gets out there eventually. Yeah. It's got to, we got to, we got to wake up Netflix to, uh, you know, to get them uh, to get Netflix it there. rejected the film. So they did on yeah. what grounds, why were they rejected? That's an, it's an, it's such a great film. Not really our thing. You know, they hmm. probably have some content person who doesn't have ADHD and doesn't have children. They yeah. said, we don't do, I mean, anyway, they, they didn't pick up the film. People were really upset about it. And I said, I'm happy to put it on Netflix free of charge. Yeah. Um, but it's no, it's not on Netflix. So I'm surprised. I'm surprised by that. Cause they do like physical, I mean like blue zones right now, which is a great series about longevity, healthy longevity, uh, Dan Gittner's, uh documentary and great book also, but you know, and that's partly about mental health, but it's more about physical, but and diet and things, but I'm surprised they, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, someone's going to see it and, and be like, you know what? Well, it's all over. The, it's all over the internet. It's on Apple TV, iTunes, Amazon Prime, YouTube, Voodoo, Google Play, Locals.com. So it's everywhere. It's widely available. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, people were hoping it would be somewhere that they have a streaming subscription. And I, again, I would put it on Netflix in a heartbeat, but yeah, they'll wake up to it. <laughs> I think they will eventually. I mean, yeah. Right now, there's only one film like this. I mean, there there are a lot of films that touch on ADHD from the perspective of one person, and they might have, you know, an expert here and there. But we got the top people, you know, yeah, Ned Hallowell, Russell Barkley, you know, all, all of these people who are kind of the godfathers of and understand this the best we have in the film. Did you see the short film by Samantha uh, Labreck, who I, I met recently? She's got a short film on YouTube called uh, Trying. If you look up like Trying ADHD, uh, I don't know. Have you seen that? No. It's it's great. It's great. And she's I think she's trying to develop it into a, a, a streaming series, like a TV series or something. Oh, that's like great. That. Yeah, it's it's really great. I should connect you because it's, the more, the more it's the a great more- yeah. And she's also, you know, an actor, singer, but she also had an all women cast or all women crew on the film. And, and she, she's a singer and stuff too. So it's, it's uh, yeah. Yeah. You guys are kindred spirits for sure. Uh-huh. Um, all right. Well, Nancy, to be respectful of your time, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you, Dave. My pleasure. Yeah. This has been awesome. I'm excited to uh, share it with uh, all the wise squirrels out there. So uh, <laughs> thanks again. I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to Wise Squirrels. It has been amazing to share this with you. Best way to show your support for the show. Leave us a review, follow the show, and share it with the people in your life. We drop new episodes every two weeks, so stay tuned for that. Plus, drop by wisequirrels.com or click the link in the podcast description and you'll find a lot of different resources like articles, a, an assessment, a newsletter, lots of good stuff over at wisequirrels.com. So drop by, let me know what you think, and we'll see you next time. Take care.